Women's Power to Heal Mother Earth I am Maya to worry. Reclaiming your primordial masculine energies in terms of your dress code. We may think that the dress code is superficial, not a very important topic to talk about for men. But in this episode, I plan to show you why it is so very important that we step out to the edge of our individual selves to reclaim our primordial masculine energy. And this is for all men, whatever may be your sexual preference, your gender definitions, it is for all men. But it is especially for the Shiva man, that is the heterosexual man. Because your counterparts, our transgender and other gender men have already understood that what is defined as the male dress code is not only superficial, but it's stifling, it's intimidating, and it is actually a way of being strapped into the patriarchal plan of keeping your freedom tethered, tethered to the agendas of the greater, not so good ruling of our world power mangas. So, yes, it is important. We are pioneers of a new movement. The time has come when the conscious, evolving, open-hearted Homo sapien, defying and those who are willing to defy the old paradigms and binaries, those who wish to be awakened enough to walk beside each other as we change this world forever. I want to help men to remember that there was a time when they were free, when their noble Shiva that is the primordial male, voices rang out like nightingales against the tremors of a Palladian welkin. I wish to open your eyes to the gruesome reality in which you have been encapsulated. The voice shredded in a prowess tamped down to its lower level. Energy and vitality misdirected. All of these realities are entwined neatly in the physical and psychological images that were created for you. From the Victorian straitjacket of fashion that you have been conned to wear, to the tie around your neck that was perfected from the noose by which we lawlessly hung our prejudices and biases. Patriarchy, in short. This omnius power is as much against the rights and wellness of men as they have been against women's sanity. It is a continuing detriment to the sentient progress of our humanity. Men, you once sang and tweeted like beautiful nightingales that proudly advertised your Shiva manhood, your dedication to beauty, family and joy. 
Did you know that one of the criteria a female nightingale uses when choosing a mate is his ability to sing? The greater his repertoire in the variety of songs, whistles, thrills and buzzes he can employ, the greater the chances of succeeding in wooing her, her, the female nightingale. Male nightingales are known to be doting fathers. So this is not just an aspect of the feminine. Male nightingales visit their chicks nest as many as 16 times every hour, which is about often as their mothers do. Well, I know you're not nightingales, you're not a bird, but we have so much to emulate from the avian kingdom. When you look at the beauty, the spectacular grandeur of the beauty of the dressing of the avian, the birds, you can begin to see how your masculinity, your outright expression, your natural innate set of expressions to express yourself, have been tamped down. So to recover your sentiency as a heterosexual man, allow me to take you on a meteoric journey through the evolution of the dress codes. I was a designer in my early years in New York City who pioneered fashion trends from my boutique called Maya on Madison Avenue and 66th Street. I recognize the value of what we wear it is more than symbolic trends, fashions, economic status, and social stature. My creations were sought after by high fashion retailers, such as Bergdorf Goodman, Bloomingdale's, Henri Bendel, I. Magnins, to name a few. I dressed celebrities like Jackie Onassis, Rudolf Nureyev, and other renowned uh, people, and especially performers and musicians. My handcrafted cummerbunds, bows, and opera shawls for men were sought after by so many well-dressed men and by Hollywood dressers and are still being used to dress male heroes in period movies. In reality, what you choose to wear expresses your individuality and should at any cost demonstrate your sense of freedom enhancing your masculinity in the sense of its original Shiva beauty, which is nobility, confidence, and the exquisite male as in the avian kingdom of birds. Okay, we are not birds, but we can take it as a, well, an example. It doesn't have to be expensive, it doesn't have to be defensively gaudy, it doesn't have to be awkward, you're not imitating the feminine, but restoring and resorting to your forgotten primordial nature through dressing. Take the avian males for example, when as men you dress to claim your freedom and clarity of purpose, whether in full regalia or in the simple robe, you're untethering your masculinity from the hidden source in which it had been tied down 
And like the birds who vie for the attention and partnership of the discerning awakened female, you too can attract yours. Now, this isn't about attracting your female partner, your soulmate or anything like that. But so much of life in, is energetically tied in together. What we do, what we wear, what we say, how we speak, how we look, how we sound. More importantly, what is deep within the purpose of our identity. That's what I'm talking about. When the masculine meets his true self, he attracts the awakened feminine. Dressing to suit his natural human masculine design arouses a new sensation in him and activates specific levels of consciousness that demands his full attention. He is seen, he is recognized, he assumes the powerful element of confidence and security as a heterosexual male. If you're looking to attract your soul partner, what we call your shaktified partner, that is a woman in, who in her feminine primordial self is also awakened, it is imperative that you stand up and realize your true worth in this advancing new ancient planet. You want to express your presence in such a way that the awakened female can see your rising to purpose, resuming an unwavering, stoic, masculine presence. Your warrior spirit, your stability, your transparency, your consciousness. As I said earlier, homosexuals, transgenders and other third gender men have been trying to reclaim their soul expression long time ago. The way they dress themselves affect the freedom to be whom they are. They're making a statement that is a necessary one. Why not the heterosexual male? Isn't it high time we stop emulating and being intimidated by the status quo? By the symbols and worn scars of patriarchy that suppress your authentic nature. In some species, courting male fight each other female decision is made for her, but as the primordial male that is awakened and conscious, I do not suggest you engage a competitive fight for your female. The proven way for you to take charge of your life, purpose and confidence, and to attract your soul flame is to do what birds have been doing for eons. You unabashedly show off your exquisite maleness your mandrake colors, through your dressing, your ornaments, your display and pursuit of purpose. Indeed, a wise, shaktified partner, that is, a primordial feminine woman that knows herself, will be able to glean your inequalities as well. Did you know that the requirement for deep molecular functioning between the male and female is endemic to all species? The primordial, the primordial, primeval Shiva Shakti magnetism. The avian, that's the bird kingdom, male are a great example by and large of the natural beauty and opulence ferried by the male species into our world. 
heterosexual male can learn a great deal about mining intelligence and attracting their love partners, as well as be inspired to up-level the opulence and dynamism in their attire. Over many millennia, the selected traits of the confident avian male became amplified. For example, female birds choose their mates with superior appearance or antics. Remember that, men. Antics. Appearance. The avian male mating technique is a spectacular event in the event. In the air, male butterflies flash their glistening iridescent colors to attract females. Wow, birds can woo a mate by collecting and presenting pretty objects to the intended. A bower bird, for example, would pile anything shiny blue it can find to impress a female. The male mandarin, called Drake, is a social duck, recognized by its gorgeous red bill and very prominent white crescent, which is patterned just above the eye. They have a purple breast and orange sails on their backs, for goodness sake. When the breeding season is over, the dreek sloughs off its flamboyant feathers, showing less plumage. No need to attract female in the, when the breeding season is over. We even have the story of the belted kingfisher, somewhat ambivalent about being too invested in mating antics. The kingfisher, by the way, is the epitome of men who naturally have difficulty committing to a spousal relationship, many of whom we know. A loner from the moment it leaves its parents until it dies, he may condescend to grant a brief annual exception for a mate. From childhood onward, kingfishers are taught to conserve their sexual energy and to use trade when necessary. Wow, so much like our businessmen today. As a result, the female tend to see them as non-caring and independent. Courtship is a low priority event for the kingfisher. If a female happens along on a perch in a male territory and he's interested, he might fly over with a fish. If she's interested, she shuffles towards him, takes the fish, and then they mate in what would most likely be a one-time event. Animals are the wiser of the species, you know. The older an animal gets, the more attractive it becomes to the opposite sex. Companionship becomes a high priority. Screech owls, for example are monogamous and stay with each other as long as they live. Anyway, I can go on forever about the avian exquisite male. But I want to sum this up by telling you. The magnetism of sexuality is at the very source of the Shiva Shakti, male, female, primordial, that is, existence, that is meant to lead us to consciousness. At this juncture of our evolution, the awakened female has no time to mother, rescue, coach, wait for or pull up her man to the level of loving her. So, male, we need to come up, we need to pull ourselves up to that higher plinth of, of vibration that brings us in tune with ourselves and it 
goes deeply into who we are, our purpose. And I'm talking about dressing, but as I said, it has never been superficial. It is such a blatant, manifested expression of who we are or who we think we are. And that is, therein lies the issue. Who do we think we are? What have we bought into that have dampened and tamped down our exquisite self? So, did you know that the idea of gender dressing is very, very new? Skirts and frocks once worn by men allowed them to move with fluidity and freedom. Long gowns, full skirted coats with and without embroidered ornamentation was an acceptable and fashionable part of the man's wardrobe until the first half of the 20th century. Skirts were the practical dress of most of our ancient civilization on both sides of the gender binary. Fluent clothing, such as wraps and sarongs, dhotis, kurtas, line cloths, togas, were replete among men of all social stature. Short skirts among soldiers were considered proof of virility and allowed for swift movement in combat. Male attire was dominated by short hemlines, paired with stockings worn as an outer legwear which showed off their well-formed muscular legs. Later on, when tailoring techniques were developed, underwear was first sewn for men to be worn under the short skirts, to allow for more freedom, that is. The driving force behind today's fashion is pernicious profit trends. Feeding on consumers' gullibility, clothing is no longer a necessity to cover and protect the body from the elements, or even an expression of individuality and purpose, but a brand, a mark, that stamps out your individuality and it gets rid of your comfort and your awareness in the process. A continuation of long centuries of suppression, tamping down human expression and organic sexuality continues. We are in the 21st century and we are still continually improving the fashion of competition, tightness, status, stature with boresome sameness. Women's mobility had been tethered by straps and shoes and later on in the fashion of heels, while men's movement were made staccato, strapped in boots. In 1927, when Time magazine printed a chart highlighting gender-appropriate colors for girls and boys, according to le the leading U.S. retailers, parents took to the suggestion like wildfire to forest. They started to dress boys in blue, girls in pink, ironically, in Europe until 1920. Pink was considered to be a most suitable color for boys and blue for girls. In the year 1820, when the straight jacket of men's fashion started, it was Edward VII, the eldest son of Queen Victoria, not surprising, who set the trend for trousers for men as we know them today. When first introduced, they were looser fit with buttonfly worn in neutral colors. The century prior saw all sorts of bifurcated European garments, breeches, knickerbockers, pantaloons, whatever. But 
What we know as fashion for men and women today emerge from a superficial social construct that suppressed gender expression while creating the commercial advent of fashion trends for profit, make no doubt about it. The clear gender dividing clothing arrived shortly after World War II, which ended in, 1950, in the 1950s. Trousers for men then came into existence as the practical da-da-da-da-da-da. The Victorian period is a key moment in history to transform the attire for men and women. The intent was to suppress sexuality, repress the female, while holding tighter reins on men's freedom and disbarring anyone that didn't fit the binary, gender binary, of course. The era of sexual prudery and repression in which the way in the ways we dress think and talk about sexuality was invented then. A man's attire became his uniform. Thank you for listening. And may peace be your journey and may you digest this information well. Thank you for listening.